Arby's. Huh? You know the, the the restaurant Arby's. That oh. if you R B, like they spell it Arby's. America's roast beef, yes sir. But look at that Arby's. If you abbreviate, <laughs> I hope it, this isn't on the air. It would be, Seriously, it would be R B. Isn't that like roast beef? R B roast beef. You know. The Please tell me this isn't on the air. Oh, we got to throw Brought this to us out. by Arby's and Fratellonis. <laughs> Honestly, God. Yeah, that's, but isn't that kind of cool? That's kind of inside. You know what the acronym spells out for Arby's? Wow. America's Roast Beef, yes, sir. But then it's cool that Dear Arby's, is, the name is RB, like roast beef. It's just a shame. Yeah. Please tell me when we're starting the second hour. Uh, we're, we're, we've already started. And now, from the mayor's office above the boathouse on the east shore of Spoon Lake, (laughs) it's Garage Logic with Rookie on Production, Chris Reavers, Director of Social Media, John Hyde in the newsroom, and occasionally Kenny from the Krabby Coffee Shop. Here is your flashlight king, fireworks commissioner, and keeper of common sense. Your mayor, Joe Souchere. I don't know what the word is. Is it sad? Ironic? Incredible? That the shootings in this country mm-hmm. are frequent enough that you now have victims and survivors of two mass shootings. Oh my God. Isn't that something? Mm-hmm. Yesterday we were wondering, or I was wondering, uh, and it was corroborated in a John Height newscast. Uh, I read that people who attended the Las Vegas Country Music Festival uh, in 2017, where 58 people were killed, mm-hmm. uh, those many of those survivors were at the bar in Thousand Oaks, California, the other night. And it turns out that that many of many of the survivors from that area go to this bar where they can where they keep in contact with each other. So what is the word that in America now mass shootings are frequent enough that you now are finding victims and survivors at two different locations. That was an I am- find that astonishing. Yeah, astonishing would be the right word. Brendan Kelly told KABC that the Borderline Bar and Grill in Thousand Oaks was where he and friends went the week after the October 1st mass shooting at a Vegas country music festival. It's too close to home, Kelly said. Borderline was our safe place after Vegas. It was our home for probably 30 to 45 of us who are all in the greater Ventura County area who were in Las Vegas. That was our place where we went the following week, three nights in a row, just so we could be with each other. On Wednesday night, the bar became the scene of a mass shooting when war veteran Ian David Long, 28, opened fire inside, killing 12. One of the victims, Telemachus Orfanos, had survived the Las Vegas shooting. That sends a chill. Kelly said he can't fully wrap his head around being the survivor of two mass shootings. The only thing I can contribute to is God, Kelly said, his protective hand over me. And then I have... uh... California man who escaped the mass shooting at a Las Vegas country music festival in October 2017 was one of the 12 people murdered. Uh, Telemachus 
Orfanos was at the Borderline Bar and Grill, a Thousand Oaks establishment packed Wednesday for college country night when former Marine and Afghan war veteran Ian Long entered the bar, deployed a smoke device, and without a word began gunning down patrons. Orfanos, 27, was a military veteran too, having served in the Navy from 2011 to 2014. He moved back to California to stay with his parents after he finished his service and at the time of Wednesday's shooting was working for a car dealership. On October 1st, 2017, Orfanos was at the Route 91 Harvest Festival in Vegas when a gunman in the Mandalay Bay Hotel opened fire. Orfanos made it, allow, made it out alive that night, and on Thursday morning, his mother, Susan Schmidt Orfanos, was hoping her son had been lucky again. She made a desperate plea for gun control to reporters at the scene. I don't want prayers. I don't want thoughts, she told reporters. I want those bastards in Congress. They need to pass gun control. No one else has a child that doesn't, so no one else has a child that doesn't come home. I did see, I saw her interviewed and she was, uh, she was shaking, visibly shaking. Governor-elect Gavin Newsom, which is, that's that's really going to destroy California with this fruitcake. Governor-elect Gavin Newsom lamented the violence during a public appearance Thursday, the Democrats' first since winning his election Tuesday. It's a gun culture, he said. You can't go to a bar or nightclub. You can't go to church or synagogue. It's insane is the only way to describe it. The normalization, that's the only way I can describe it. It's become normalized. All right, let me stop right there. The mother of the dead Orfanos. No, you do want prayers, and here's why you want the prayers. Fifty years ago, sixty years ago, hell, I'll even go. I'll go forty years ago, fifty years ago, sixty years ago, seventy years ago, eighty years ago. There were as many guns proportionately in the United States as there are today, and these shootings did not happen with anywhere near the frequency we're seeing them happen now to the point where they are frequent enough that you have this incredible situation where survivors of the Las Vegas shooting on October 1st, 2017, were among those who died in the shooting in Thousand Oaks, California, November 7th, 2018. These shootings did not happen with frequency. This stuff didn't happen. What has happened? You've been at the University of Garage Logic now for years. What has happened? You, staff, anyone, anyone? The decline. There it is. It's the decline of moral and ethical integrity in this country, in this culture. Now, the vast majority of people in the United States are clinging to their moral and ethical integrity. But it has been so diminished and so watered down that the byproduct of that is the cheapening of life. So I guess you can you can cry all you want about gun control, and if you want to ban bump stocks, fine with me. This guy used a handgun. Right, uh, bought legally, and and that's not— And he had an extended magazine, so I was uh, on a texting string of people around me who were saying then they also should ban extended magazines. Well, that's not addressing the problem. The problem is a, a complete drifting away from Judeo-Christian origins. A complete drifting away. It's the behavior that's changed, not the guns. The- As an aside, I've and, and remind me that this is an aside because I want to get back to this. 
Look at me. Focus. Yep. Remind me to get back. Mm -hmm. As an aside, uh, I was YouTubing. <laughs> this is weird. I was YouTubing. Uh, I, I love the song, I'm Your Cap, or uh, Almost Home by Grand Funk Railroad, or We're Getting Closer to Our Home. Yeah. I didn't realize how great that is, performed live. I heard it on the radio yesterday, live. I don't know from when. Okay. So I attempted to find it on YouTube. Yeah. And I found... Uh, Grand Funk Railroad performing it live at Shea Stadium in 1971. I had no idea they were that talented. It was it's oh. excellent. But on that, you know how they offer you other things on the side there. Yes. While you, well, I came upon Robin Williams and Jonathan Winters on the Tonight Show in that. 1971. I was in tears. I was laughing so hard. Well, and, I, and I had many deep thoughts running through my mind. This is what used to pass for for late night television. Was this extraordinary entertainment? And it was, I Classic. texted, I was texting people, you got to find this on YouTube. It's the most hilarious thing I've ever seen. Oh, thanks. You missed me. Yeah, I did. Um, uh, Jonathan Winters was an uh, Robin Williams idol. He idolized him. Right. He loved him. And, 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 and what did Johnny do? He just sat back, sat and, back and enjoyed it. Look he, what we have. Look what passes for that. He didn't make a comment on health care or, no, no. or the current president and gun control. No. Or just let it ride, huh? Uh, Telemachus Orfano's father, Mark Orfano's, uh, said the shooter, who officials uh, indicated may have suffered from post-traumatic stress disorder, was probably as much a victim as everyone else. I'm not going to vilify this kid because he's got parents who are grieving too, Mark Orfano said, and I feel sorry for them as well. Until I find out particularly what the specifics are with this kid who did the shooting, I'm not going to vilify him. He also echoed Newsom in blaming gun culture. It's not a gun culture. I felt it's a culture adrift, and the, we're seeing it. What what should drive that home to all of us is it's everywhere. It's a a poor ten year old girl killing an infant. It's a twenty one year old huffing glue mowing down Girl Scouts. It's Caesar Syok mailing out pipe bombs. It's a moron going into a synagogue and killing innocent people. It's this fool going into a bar and killing innocent people. It's the Parkland shooting. And unfortunately, the knee-jerk response. It's a millionaire in Las Vegas. A millionaire in Las Vegas. The knee-jerk response, and I witnessed it last night from you know people in my extended family uh, who are all bright people, but they buy into the knee-jerk response that this is absolutely a function of gun control. I wish th I wish it was because then we could solve it. Well, that's, I really wish it was that problem. It's funny because uh, the sheriff uh, in uh, California was asked about that, um, about the guns and so forth, and why did this happen? And the sheriff looked at him and said, "You know what? If I, I wish I knew, because if I knew that, I would know how to stop it." I knew. I know why it happened. Why? It, it happened because. Too many people are not holding life sacred. Profane is winning, not sacred. It has nothing to do with the GD gun. London is having a critical crisis with knife attacks. They have gun control in, in the they UK. They banned all guns, right? I don't, it's tough to own a gun. I think you can own one for mm. hunting or something. Uh, 
But people are getting stabbed on the street in London. Well, and you can't tell a mother how to grieve. I felt bad for that mom, but you're right. She should be calling for prayers because prayers bring people together no matter what religion you practice. And uh, gun control and the, the suits in Congress, um, they don't. The government cannot protect you from the decline of moral and ethical integrity. Go back to the quote from the day after the Girl Scouts were mowed down by the kid huffing paint and the, the pastor of the church where the mother mm-hmm. and the daughter attended and regularly were involved in activities. And his quote was, the world is broken. It's it, a broken it, it, world. It is, it's broken. It's a perfect quote. And for, it's, but, the, but the proof of it is it, you're surrounded by it. Mm-hmm. It calls upon everyone to be vigilant. I don't care if you're in the grocery store. If, there, if I'm right and there's this significant decline in morality, then where are you safe? I don't ch- plan to change my life, by the way. I, I'm not going to change anything. I, it's not as though I believe I have to look both ways when I leave the garage to see if anybody's going to shoot me. That's right. not what I'm talking about. Right. But what I am saying is it won't surprise me if I'm somewhere and, and shots ring out. The thing that I find comfort in is I still I agree with everything you're saying, Joe, but I still hold out the hope that there are still more good people than there are bad people. Of course there people. are. Of course and there that's are. the one thing that at least lets me sleep at night. Mm-hmm. Of course there are. But boy, it's tough sometimes. The role of social media cannot be ignored either. No, it's a big part of it. For example, this gunman, Ian Long, on Facebook posted a chilling final message about gun control and how prayers and tears were not enough to stop atrocities such as the one he committed. His ominous social media presence had begun to emerge along with details of his life before he joined the Marines in 2008. According to former friends and classmates, Long was bullied at Newberry Park High School for his lazy eye and could not take jokes well. Well, I find that particularly ironic because I had two surgeries as a kid for a lazy eye. Yeah. Never, I, I don't recall getting bullied about it. Okay. I, I would not know what... How's it working out now, Marty? I got it fixed. Okay. Is that why your slap shot was so bad? No, it was pretty good. <laughs> uh, Long hoped to be a professional ball player, but it was he was not talented enough and did not have a good rapport with other members of his team. One friend said he was cocky and was one of those bros who drove a huge car to high school. I don't know what that means. The friend Rebecca Homoke told the Wall Street Journal that he set his sights on the Marines because he loved America and loved guns. His Facebook post read, I hope people call me insane. Then he included laughing emojis. Wouldn't that be just a big ball of irony? Yeah, I'm insane, but the only thing you people do after these shootings is hopes and prayers or keep you in my thoughts every time. And you wonder why these keep happening. I don't know what message he's trying to send us there. Yeah, because you can't predict that somebody's going to go do something stupid like that. Survivors of the Thousand Oaks area, survivors from the Vegas shooting who live in the Thousand Oaks area, regularly gathered at Borderline for mutual support and considered the bar a safe haven. Mm-hmm. I'm going to deduce that he must have known that. Yes, he did. Because he was a regular at that bar. 
Several Las Vegas survivors were present when Long stormed the bar, and one of them, 27-year-old, as we've been talking about, Telemachus Orfanos, was killed. Many of the dead had no connection to the prior shooting, though, so it's unclear whether Long targeted the bar specifically because of its connection to Vegas. Other victims inside the bar, uh, Sean Adler, 48, Cody Kaufman, 22, Blake Digman, 23, Jake Dunham, 21, Elena Housley, 18, Justin Meek, 23, Daniel Manrique, Kristen Morissette, and Noel Sparks. No ages given. Long shot Sheriff, Sheriff Sergeant Ron Helis, a 54-year-old, 29-year veteran who was one of the first on the scene. Between 10 and 15 people remain hospitalized. He used a legally purchased 45 caliber handgun to carry out the attack and had modified its magazine so it could hold more rounds. Right. I'm reading from the Daily Mail, and because I don't trust the Daily Mail, I'm editing as I do, because I'm only telling you what I have corroborated from other sources. Uh, apparently, he lived with his mother. Uh, people would routinely hear arguments there. Uh, the neighbors already suspected that he was suffering from PTSD after returning from a tour of Afghanistan between 2010 and 2011 and say he was disrespectful and rude whenever he passed them in the street. When police arrived at his home uh, during a fight with his mother, they called in mental health specialists to help resolve the situation. And according to the Wall Street Journal, it took hours for them to get long out of the house. Inside, furniture had been tossed all over the house and there were holes in the wall, including one caused by a bullet. They couldn't get him out for a long time, like half a day, neighbor Richard Berge said on Thursday. They heard, they heard gunshots, they said, coming from inside the home, and there was a bullet hole in the wall. Despite the combination of red flags, the mental health specialists who responded decided that Long was not suitable to be involuntarily committed under Section 5150 of the California Welfare and Institutions Code. He was never arrested and continued living in his mother's home until Wednesday night's attack. And this was in two, what, 2011? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So what do we do? Uh, PTSD. Now, what do we do? Now, the synagogue shooter. Bowers? Had, yeah, I don't think he had any previous contact with authorities. I don't think I read But him. Caesar Sayak had previous contact with he authorities. Yep. Yes. The kid who shot up Parkland High School had previous contact with authorities. Mm-hmm. Ian Long, who shot up Thousand Oaks, had previous contact with employees. It doesn't happen in every case, but it's it's it, there's a pattern that maybe in addition to mental health so-called experts making these decisions not to not to do anything. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Do you have to have a clergy uh, person along to to explore the decline of moral and ethical integrity? I don't know what that would involve. I'm being very fanciful here. But that's the question we have to look at. You mean it's trying to predict whether a person is yeah. going to yeah. go out and— yeah. I don't know. You'd have to come up with a quiz or something. You'd have to come up with some means of identifying in this in the soul you're talking to. Is this person so bereft bereft of, of moral in clarity, uh is he gonna go shoot somebody? But in America you I don't can't know how box, you examine that. 
Yeah, because you can't lock someone up for no. what you might do. Well, that's what the mental health people decided. We cannot, he's not suitable for involuntary confinement. And in some cases like that, just knowing somebody that works in that in that field, in some cases your hands are tied. Mm-hmm. That even if they wanted to, if you're a social worker, what have you, you 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 can't for legal purposes and what whatnot. In other words, if someone saw this kid, this guy, and said, you know, there's something there's something wrong here. We got to do something. Well, it goes back to this guy's high school on Long's high school yearbook page under the section for goals. After baseball, he simply responded, death. That's a red flag. Where's the parent? You're, you're, you're still at home. You're in high school. Where's the parent? What do you mean by that? What is... But then he was troubled, went to the Marines, and then came back with Got PTSD. married. Got married. That fell apart. Citing irreconcilable differences. Blake Winnett, who claims to have shared an apartment with Long in 2014 while he was a student at CSUN, California State, what, whatever, told the New York Post that he was a loner, Long was a loner, who danced alone in their garage. He didn't want to help anyone or do anything. He was just lazy, I guess, he claimed, adding that he once responded, that's not my bleeping job when Winnett asked him to take out the trash. Mm. He wasn't violent, but he was mean. He would go to the gym, and then he would, I guess, try to learn dance moves or something. He would close the garage and be playing music and dancing in there. I would open the garage, and he would say, what are you doing? More recently, he was living in his mother's home, where neighbors said they could hear frequent aggressive shouting between the two. Wow. I mean, California State University, Northridge. All right. Thousand Oaks, California was ranked the third safest city to live in in the United States this year. Jesus. There are an average of 123 violent crimes per 100,000 people in in the Ventura County City annually, according to NISH, a company that that ranks places to live. There were just five shootings there during the past five years, according to the Gun Violence Archive. Before Wednesday night, two people were killed in the 128,000-person city this year, both in shootings. Thousand Oaks, one of the safest cities in the United States, and something like this happens, Ventura County Sheriff's Captain Garo Kuregian told KABC, we're trying to make sense out of this. It is absolutely tragic. You're not going to be able to make sense out of it, Sheriff, nor am I, because we are all suffering from a lack of moral and ethical integrity. Alexandra Ocasio Dash Cortez. <laughs> yeah. Our little socialist. Yeah. Who became the youngest woman elected to Congress Tuesday said she can't afford to rent an apartment in Washington, D.C. because she's not receiving any salary. <laughs> I saw that. She told the New York Times that the transition period from now until she starts her job will be very unusual because I can't take a salary. I have three months without a salary before I'm a member of Congress, so how do I get an apartment? Well, someone should give you one, Ocasio. Isn't that what she's all about? Someone should just give you some hosing. Those little things are very real, Ocasio-Cortez told the New York Times. I bet they were just fawning over her. 
She told the paper she saved up before she left her job as a bartender at a New York City restaurant. We're just kind of uh, just dealing with the logistics of it day by day, but I've really been just kind of squirreling away and then hoping that gets me to January, she said. You you need us to give you some money. Let's mail her some money. Go fund me, huh? After the story gained traction, Ocasio-Cortez tweeted about her apartment situation. Uh, There are many little things in which our... There are many little things in which our electoral system isn't ever designed for working class people to lead, she tweeted. This is one of them. Don't worry, by the way, we're working it out. Wait a minute. Okay. Check this out. Here we go. There are many little ways in which our electoral system isn't ever designed nor prepared for working class people to lead. What the hell is she talking about? You got elected, you fool. What the hell is she talking about? Right. The system worked for her. She got elected. She'll make 174 grand a year as a member of Congress. Uh, what she, does she want to give that away and live on? A one-room bedroom apartment in D.C. on average goes uh, for about $2,170 a month. Well, she, you can afford that on 174 grand a year. Yeah. I, I think I'd prefer to sleep on somebody's couch. Isn't that what uh, Normie Coleman did? I think Normie slept in first... somebody's basement. <laughs> yes. And then, of course, I think uh, I think Senator Franken and Senator Dayton at the time could afford their own digs. I think so. Yeah. I think so. I, I'm going to break out the world's smallest violin for this poor, Marxist poor thing. What is her message? Everything should be free. Free health care, free education. And asked about how to provide free health care, she, she said, just pay for it. Well, meaning who? <clears throat> right. You know what I hope? And this is a... Possibly a naive hope on my part. I hope that uh, the more hardened members of Congress will will not take a liking to her ideas. I don't care if they take a liking to her, but I, I'm I'm hoping. Are there enough Democrats with heads on their shoulders to put this young lady in her place and say, and say "Look, look, Octavio, is that her name?" I'm sorry. Look, Alexandra. Uh, you can't just wave a magic wand and pay for things. You bet. You got to get on board here with some fiduciary responsibility. <laughs> you duped all the voters to get you yeah. elected, but you you the knocked off here. you knocked off a guy uh, a ten term Republican Joe Crowley, uh, and you're going to represent the state's 14th congressional district. You you can't come in here and and think that uh, that this is Alice in Wonderland and that you get to snap your fingers and right. suddenly you're going to find some people who are going to pay for everyone's health care. Who do you think those people are? Only half this country right now pays taxes. It's like monopoly money. That's my hope. Uh, she's not going to pay attention to any Republicans, of course, but are there Democrats who will, who will counsel her, who will mentor her and say, look, you're 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 attractive. You're glib. Uh, you knocked off a ten-term guy, uh, but you're full of B as in B, S as in S. And the people buy that B as in B, S as in S because they're looking for a handout too. I uh, no, well, what 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 would be the odds of what of a Democrat? Because they're they're all drinking the Kool Aid. Colin Peterson. Colin Peterson would be one to say, "Hey, lady, you know what? Come on, that's that's not going to work. That's really not going to work." Yeah. 
Uh, Nancy Pelosi. No, I don't think so. No, she's just going to let her just she's, do what she she's wants. She's acting a little dingy. <laughs> yeah, and then uh, Maxine Waters can't wait to get the gavel. In I don't the, think uh, Maxine would, would uh, say to uh, Alexandra that your ideas are, are wrong. I think Maxine would be on board. Well, this is... She's just going to be ineffective. If the if the left wants to get Trump reelected in 2020, just keep producing more and more Alexandras. Yep, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. Just keep them coming. Come have on, Bernie in. run or Elizabeth Warren run if you want to have if you want Trump to be elected again. You know what I got to tell you though? Until the hundred thousand people from the caravan. Oh. Until they arrive. See, we are marching to Pretoria. Pretoria. You think we won now? See, I want to remind you that my pillow inventor and founder, Mike Lindell, has come up with another great product that makes you sleep better. The MyPillow Mattress Topper. Three unique layers designed to provide great support, distribute your body weight, and regulate temperature. And here's the best part. You're going to save a lot of money. This will rejuvenate your mattress. You don't have to go out and spend thousands of dollars. It comes with a zippered removable cover that's washable and dryable. And uh, they have a 10-year warranty, 60-day money-back guarantee, seven sizes from Twin to Cal King. And Mike has uh, got a great offer for GL Podcast listeners now through December 31st. You can save 30% on any MyPillow mattress topper and get two MyPillow standard pillows when you enter the promotional code GL at checkout. Go to MyPillow.com, click on the Mattress Topper button on the homepage, and enter the promotional code GL at checkout. He's still nursing that bum knee. If I was racing Sid in his walker, he'd beat me by a block. <laughs> <laughs> it's not bad when I get up during the day and start moving around. But yep. man, when I wake up in the morning, it's uh, it's I can't uh, you know got to call the fire department to get me out of bed. Well, did you have this checked? Oh, not quite yet. We'll give it another week. And, you know, she's Let it fester. Let it fester a little bit. So you tr- you tripped on some steps. You tripped on some steps and you banged your knee. No, uh, yeah, but I didn't actually trip. I just missed the yeah. last two. I was walking, you know, it's right. just a little six-step yep. uh, lower flight. Yeah. and uh, Counted the floor uh, and thought he hit the floor. Thought, no, and uh, <laughs> just was paying no attention. It was two in the morning. I just got back from Mancato. I was down there covering stuff all day. And my usual mediocre attention span was less than that. And all of a sudden, I was smashing both my knees. But the right one is the one that Dr. Olaf Luke, the town doctor, operated on in Prior Lake in 1963. With a shake, with uh, a saw and a hammer. <laughs> they had Orthopedics were not yet invented back then. They just opened you up and said, ah, I don't know what the hell's going on here. And that's the one that through the years, whenever I've uh, taken a, a fall, you know, back in the 70s when I used to fall down when I was overserved once in a while, that thing would swell up a little bit. And a couple times on ice in the last 30 years, but... Uh, well, in all seriousness, so it in, usually, all, it, in all seriousness... 
see it cures itself, but we'll see. In all seriousness, wasn't that Tony Oliva's problem that that he probably would have had a Hall of Fame career oh, without doubt, with with expert surgery, which did not exist then. No, well, they they had to open you up and just you know try to tie stuff together. And and remember when we used to always have the uh, they'd go in there for the uh, scraps. They'd have to go in every year and take out the loose impediments. What did they call those? Remember that? They, yeah. The cleanup surgery. Well, yeah. with the orthopedic surgery, you don't have the loose impediments anymore mm-hmm. floating around in there. I think Tony had eight on that knee. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've always told my favorite Tony story is he used to rub anything on it he possibly could to try to you know relieve the pain mm-hmm. and get down the swelling a little. And one day he's ra- rubbing brake fluid on it. And mm-hmm. Somebody told him brake fluid works. Oh, God. I remember Steve Brown saying, Tony. We don't need anything to get you to stop. We need some stuff to get you started. <laughs> Tony was offended. Oh. We don't need your brakes to be better, Tony. We need your speed up to be better. So. Hey, how big a story is St. Paul Johnson's football team? Unbelievable. It really Fantastic. is. It's, uh, I mean, the idea, I was over there, oh, eight. Nine years ago when they were having a decent team and Minneapolis North was going there to play them and North beat the hell out of them. And, uh, and, uh, yeah. And I, they were, were, didn't have any kids out and, you know, half the population over there, uh, used to be among, I don't know if it still is, mm-hmm. but it's, it's a fantastic story. And, uh, now they're in the semis. They get to go to the, uh, they get to go to the Ziggy to play. It's yep. great. Yep. They beat, I, uh, yeah. what they beat St. Anthony yesterday. Yeah, I believe and they so. Got the two, and they got a pair of twins, right? Uh, uh, the Mulbergs. They yeah. got a couple of them. And I bet the Mulbergs play on the same line in hockey, too. That would be my guess. Boy, if they Johnson come back, comes back in hockey, uh, I, I will. my heart will be <laughs> rejuvenated. Yes. Well, they uh, had a decent team about four or five years ago. They let them play on, uh, on that hockey day. Uh, in, uh, they played somebody down... Uh, where did they play him, Brooke? Down at the airport, right? Didn't they build a rink down at the oh, airport? Fort Snelling? Was it the... Was it no, I thought Whatever. it was at, down, at the, down at the airport, and Johnson played somebody on that day. And they still got Moose Younghands is still coaching them over there. Oh, yeah. But they uh, have a... You know, they don't... They don't have quite as many players as they used to. But, yeah, you, it's a great story. It's fantastic. I need you to explain something else to me. Uh, All right, I'm ready. Okay, why does St. Thomas have to beat Bethel just to get a playoff bid? Wouldn't they get one anyway? No, because they will then have two losses. There's only, uh, what, uh, I think there's only 32 bids, and there's, you know, 300 Division three colleges, and they have all these automatic. There's only, nationally, Joe, like seven at-large bids. So oh. if you don't win your conference, uh, there's, there's all these, like, 24, 25 conferences so it's not even an automatic that the MIC runner-up usually gets it. Now, St. Thomas, if they win, will make it based on their reputation and what they've done in the past. And uh, I think Bethel will probably make it, too, because the MIAC is – St. John's is so well thought of this year that the, if your only loss on your – you know, if your only loss is to St. John's, then, you, then you're in good shape. So whoever wins that game will probably go. St. Thomas for sure, but – St. Thomas, you saw last week that they were behind Gustavus thirteen to nothing going into the fourth quarter, and right. just pulled it out fourteen to thirteen. First time they hadn't been scored on in the first half in about eleven years. First time yeah. they hadn't scored Had for themselves. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was uh, it was uh, 
it was a, uh, a, a thriller, I guess, uh, the Gusties were. I was in Mankato, and people were texting me saying, you better get up to St. Peter, there's a big upset. Well, you know what's amazing, though, and Reavers can confirm this, Joe. Yep. The Blakesley, Blakesley Stadium in Mankato. Oh, God. Mm-hmm. The press box. <laughs> the worst stairwell in America. Yes. Because it's a long stride. Right. You know, when you, when you go down, you're going down steep, and you also, you, you got to make that decision. Is this a two-stepper or a one-stepper? Right. And it was raining when I was down there Saturday. Oh, so this, it was slip, slippery. And is this I got before or after your knee injury? And, uh, this is uh, before. Oh, yeah. So anyway, and then, of course, at halftime, I have to go do my old man thing and relieve myself. So sure. I went down, up and down that thing twice. Mm-hmm. Lived. Live to tell about it. Right. And then I get home and I'm walking down six steps and I damn near killed myself. That's what screwed you up. Yeah. That's what yes. that's what threw you off I was that six step. Overconfident. Overconfident. In fact, but my friend, my friend Chad Courier from the Mankato Free Press, uh, one of the great cynics that has ever lived. Uh, he wasn't at the game Saturday because he was up deer hunting with his dad. But when he found out I fell, he said, "Why didn't you fall down?" Blakesley, if you're going to fall anyway, why don't you fall there? Maybe we can do something about this. We can rebuild it. In fact, Patrick, uh, homecoming was always a special treat because that's about the only game that a lot of the student body would attend at Mankato, and we would have an over-under how many drunk college kids would stumble (laughs) down Blakesley's steps. And and rock-hard ancient chip cement. (laughs) Oh, you fell, you were... You were not getting up. No. It was, uh, God, it's a terrible stadium down there, and they, they don't know what to do about it. My theory was Ziggy should have given him $10 million as a going-away gift for having the Vikings down there for 50 years. They should do that. Fat they chance. Him, they didn't give him 20 cents. No, you know? no, no. I don't think Ziggy's touched his own wallet yet, has he? <laughs> no, no. See, now, I heard- he, might have to, he might have had to spend a little for the thing out in Egan out of his own pocket, but. See, I, I heard an interesting irony this week. Uh, yes. That in Tracy Clay's, didn't you have a pretty good defensive mind? Yes, that's what it was, well, that was his prowess. Well, yes, what an irony that team. we got to run <laughs> yeah. him out of here, and now they need a defensive coach. Yes, and uh, it's uh, it's been something. <laughs> I mean, the uh, the fact that they gave, what, what was it, four touchdowns of over 65 yards? Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's unbelievable. Yeah. That's uh, four hundred yards rushing to Illinois. Four, four, yeah, four sixty. <laughs> well, can they beat Purdue? I uh, would be very unlikely. Purdue would have to uh, turn it over on numerous occasions. Now, Purdue isn't real good defensively, and the, the Gophers' offense has been okay. You know, they got some great receivers, and they can run the ball a little bit. So they'll probably get twenty points, or you know, they're, they're scoring the twenties, but they might give up fifty if Purdue gets it going. Purdue's got one of the best throwers in the country. Although, actually, this team has got gouged worse uh, with the rushing running plays than they have with uh, throwing the ball. Mm-hmm. Of course. One thing is, if you just hand it off to somebody and then he runs seventy yards, yeah. odds are next time you're not going to throw. You're going to hand it off again and <laughs> see. You know, you're going to keep handing it off until somebody does something about it. So we don't even know if their pass defense is any good or not. The Wild won last night. They continued to be on one of the longest, strangest road trips I can ever remember. And and the the odd thing is, the Wolves are gone at the same time. Right. The Wolves are out there running around at the same time. It's. Uh, 
this this has got to be driving Sid crazy. It used to drive Sid crazy when they uh, would both when they would, at home. like schedule events at home uh, together. But but Joe tonight now Joe you were just entering the sports writing business when Title IX came into existence, right? And women's athletics, and we didn't know what the hell to do with it, right? I right. mean, we were very confused. Uh, tonight at Williams Arena, Whalen's first game, and they've sold all the tickets. Now they're not going to get 14,000 people to show up, but say they get 10 or 11. Right, right. And next door, you're going to have another sellout for the volleyball Yep. Uh, at 7 o'clock. Go for start at 8. You're going to have 16,000, 17,000 people watching women's athletics in that building wow. uh, tonight. Fantastic. It's, uh, it's pretty phenomenal, isn't it? It really What's is. The, what has become, and you go, I remember seeing volleyball back, you know, way back when, and you just had five gals on one side, six gals on one side of the net trying to hit it in the air. Mm-hmm. Now they got these six foot four athletes who jump up and hit it 150 miles an hour off each other's heads. Yep. It's unbelievable. So anyway, that'll be a, uh, almost a celebration of women's athletics over mm-hmm. there tonight at the, you- uh, at the old barn. You are to be congratulated, too, sir, by the way. Um, I don't know if Joe is aware, but uh, Patrick, Joe, uh, helped out our friends at Deadspin to bring the famous Jerry Burns (laughs) rant to life and give it the absolute proper credit, the coaching meltdown that it deserves. Now, they called me. I didn't call Deadspin up and said, hey, this guy deserves this. This guy called me. Uh, Dom, somebody called me, and he he had just discovered this because he said all these other great rants, 25 are, years are, old. Are nationally famous. He said, but this one has not received proper recognition. Right. <laughs> and I got to agree with him because there were 12 F bombs in the first soliloquy. <laughs> then he threw in three more at the end. And the greatest is the, is the sign off. Yes. Under his breath, he yeah. goes, bleepers. Yeah. <laughs> the bleepers, boom. They put him up on the screen. It was Lee Elia like. Oh God! Oh God! It was, yeah. Yeah, was it was it was fantastic, but then people started posting posting other tirades on the bottom of that thing, and then I ran across Lasorda's again about Kurt Bapanelson. <laughs> you gotta have these guys someday, Joe, have to play the Lasorda because he'd been referred to as a fat Italian, right? Kurt Bapanelson, and he was one of the most profane. Oh, I see. Maniacal jackasses that ever lived. I remember playing for my father, who might have been puzzled as to what I was doing for a living. I played for him the Lee Elia tape, and I thought I was going to have to take him to the hospital. He was crying. He was laughing so hard he couldn't see straight. It was just fantastic. Lee Elia managed the Cubs, and the famous uh, tape is that he ends up one day ripping the fans for even being there. Don't they have jobs? They're all digging. Then he he called them country admirers of Uh of, uh, homoerotic (laughs) behavior. (laughs) Oh, it was one of the greatest. I thought my old man was going to die. That might have contributed to his early death. Lasorda telling the... uh, Too bad Richard Rice. Oh, Richard would have loved it. thought he was the greatest thing ever. Lasorda telling the press, though, that he'd rent a mother bleeping limousine to send it to Bavacqua's house just so he could pitch against the mother bleeper. (laughs) (laughs) That was pretty good. Oh, Oh, man. Earl Weaver could... Earl Weaver could do it, oh, too. Yeah. Earl was, yeah, Earl was great. There's only Earl one was... reason you're here. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bleep us. 
Yeah. Was, <laughs> my favorite Earl is when he gets stopped by for, yep. for a DWI as a winner, and they say, what's your name? He says, Jim Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> and then they said, then the then he said, said I'm drunk, take my word for it. Yeah, yeah the guy says, oh, we got to have you out and give you the test. He says, take my word, take my word for it, I'm drunk. <laughs> Yeah, he was uh, he was fun. Remember when he, you were out there when he when Brooks Robinson retired, right? Mm-hmm. Were you writing a column then? Brooks yeah. retired yeah. out yeah. here, and Earl was Earl hadn't slept. He was down in the dugout, hungover as a human being could be on a Sunday morning, doing this great odes to Brooks Robinson. <laughs> he, uh, and he was you could tell he'd been up all night. So. That's one of the two autograph balls I have: uh, Brooks and Gene Monk. Uh, oh, I thought you could say Earl, and uh, no. oh, I, I loved Earl. Man, mm-hmm. he was great. Anyway, well, you go rest your knee, Sonny. about? I don't have to uh, scrape the sidewalk here; it's going to melt. That's it? my theory. I'm not practicing yeah. any space management. <laughs> As they say in Nebraska, <laughs> you don't have to scoop the walk. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's what my uh, my uh, niece's husband is from Nebraska, and he says, "We are going to go out there and scoop the walk." Yeah. Scoop the walk. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Patrick. Well, before we get a before we get a good snow, this knee better get in better shape. Yeah. So the, those DA is going to have to make a shoveling comeback. That's right. Oh. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Yeah. Oh. All right. I love it when we end up going down memory lane. God, I got to go listen to Burnsy Meltdown one more time. Yeah. Well, find Lee Elia, too. Oh. That's one of the all time. And go unedited, folks. Don't play the edited version. I played the unedited version of Burnsy sitting with my wife last night. Oh. It was just the two of us. She's like, what is that? She knew about the tirade, but we hadn't listened to it in its entirety. But the ending is great. How do you Reapers. have it? Uh, it was on uh, Twitter. Oh. So I went through Deadspin. Oh. Wow, is that good? That's a good one. All right. GarageLogic.com. Rate us one to five on Apple iTunes. See you next week. Check out the great features we have. Greg Holcomb's comics. Also, what's on Joe's author's corner bookshelf. It's all waiting for you at GarageLogic.com. Please spread the word. Check it out. Good luck. We'll talk to you next time.